we want God to show us his glory. The problem is, if our minds are in neutral, or if they are darkened, we can never fully understand and see God's glory. I don't, I don't know if this happens to you. Uh, maybe I live in a bubble, or my bubble just goes in different places, but I, I don't know if this happens to you, but I go places, whether it's a restaurant or a mall or a shopping area or a store, sometimes in churches, and honest to goodness, I look around and my first thought is, have we just lost our minds? I, I, I read through a Twitter feed and I see things that people put on there and I think, were you thinking when you did that? I mean, that is so bad, autocorrect couldn't fix it. Have we lost our minds? We are so divided because we are arguing over things we don't even understand. And we're half-informed, and half-informed people make dumb statements. They make dumb statements. People that make blanket statements. Like, I don't believe in absolutes, and I'm absolutely sure of that. Something's wrong. You, you think about it, and, and it looks like we, we've lost our minds. And, 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 you know, you ever said to your kids, what were you thinking? My mom said that to me with a switch in her hand. Uh, when I lit a sparkler in our kitchen <laughs> on her new linoleum floor, and then tried to fill in the spots with paint by the number paint. <laughs> what were you thinking came out of her mouth, but what came out of my mouth while I was taking the beating was something different. I, was, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, I was begging for mercy, you know, just anything I get. You, 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 you know, we're in a battle for the mind. And most people, it seems, are mindless. I mean, we have a law in Georgia. Can't hold your cell phone. I'm sitting in an intersection the other day. I'm waiting for a guy who's got the right of way, and he's sitting right here doing this on his phone. I'm saying, first of all, you've broken the law, and you look old enough to know how to read. So why are you holding the cell phone? Because everybody's backed up in three directions waiting for you to get off your phone. What are you thinking? I mean, people driving a car and looking down. I've passed people on the interstate, and they're driving down, scrolling through Facebook at 70 miles an hour. I say, what are you thinking? You are one second away from killing yourself by thinking that that post is so important that I can't possibly wait until I have to make a pit stop. The brain is amazing. It only weighs about three pounds, but studies say that by the time we are 70 years old, that we will have collected 15 trillion thoughts into our brain and yet not even begun to use it. The brain is easy to talk about from a standpoint of science or 
size or what it's made up of or to see an x-ray of it. But what God is talking about is the mind, how we use our brain. And the mind is bigger than the gray matter that's inside our skull. I remember when uh, Terry's mom was uh, diagnosed with dementia and there was an x-ray of her brain and literally the front 25% of her brain was missing. It had deteriorated, it was gone. And so she couldn't use any capacity that was there because it was no more there. But when we think about the mind, we think about instinct, we think about intuition, we think about reason and perception and evaluating. Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so is he. You see, Jesus wants us to think properly about all of life, not in silos, not in compartments, but in all of life we are to think properly. He told his disciples, take my yoke and learn from me. Now, Pastor Ken's already mentioned this, and I'll mention it again out in the foyer. You see what drives us. Prayer leads us to love God, to grow together, to serve others, and to change the world. Let me show you how Jesus did that. Jesus helped us to learn how to pray. What did he do? He prayed. And the disciples looked at him, and they never said to him, teach us how to do miracles. They never said to him, teach us how to confound the Pharisees. That would have been a pretty cool thing to do. But what they said was, Lord, teach us to pray, because they realized that the secret to power and life with the Father was in Jesus' time of prayer with his Father. They asked him to help them to worship, to love God. He, he went to the synagogue. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, the synagogues are full of hypocrites, so I'm not going. You ever heard anybody say that? That church is full of hypocrites. Well, just come and join us. We'll all be hypocrites together. By the way, if you think you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. Well, the church is full of hypocrites, but Jesus went to the synagogue. He sang songs. He observed the festivals. He observed the Passover. He taught the disciples to worship the Father even when the people that were leading those services didn't recognize that he was the Son of the Father. So worship's not about the people on the platform. Worship's not about what you like and don't like. Jesus taught us that worship is honoring the Father and glorifying His name, singing the songs of God, observing the truths of God. He helped us learn how to grow. He, he taught His disciples. They grew by sitting and listening, and then He sent them out. He told us how to change the world. You remember the Jews... Every book in the Bible is written by a Jewish person. Now, if you're anti-Semitic, just go burn your Bible. Because you wouldn't have a Bible if it wasn't for the Jews. They wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
And he said to Jews who never traveled far from home, he said to them, go into all the world. Now, wait a minute. That's Samaritans, that's Gentiles, and a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. So that's kind of like everybody. And yet there were people that hated people of other cultures, and the Jews had forgotten that they were given a covenant by God not so that they could sit in a holy huddle and study the covenant, but so that the covenant would thrust them out into a world to speak about a coming Messiah. So Jesus taught us how to worship, how to love God, how to grow together, how to serve. He washed their feet. Here's the living God in flesh washing the dirty feet of the disciples. They should have been washing his feet. You see, when you find people that call themselves Christians that think they're too good to serve somebody, they don't have the mind of Christ. Because the mind of Christ is to serve. To do that which the world would think, that's beneath me to do that. So let's look at the natural mind. God created man, body, mind, and spirit. Man uh, was given the ability to speak, to think, to reason, to understand, and to feel. The first man... By the way, if you don't believe that Genesis 1 through 11 are really true, then I can't help you. I, I really can't help you. I went to a seminary that said Genesis 1 through 11 was made up. But in Genesis 1 through 11, I find out that God wanted perfect fellowship with man, that God gave man everything he needed, that God had provided abundant life and perfect fellowship with him, and let man name every animal. Now, I don't know why Adam named some of the animals the things that he named them, but he did. He let man name every animal, and he had perfect fellowship with the Father. Now, I'd, I have never been to a farmer's market or to a fruit tree that looks so good that I would say, I'd give up perfect fellowship with God to eat that one time. And yet, that's what man did. And so man's natural mind is now depraved. God communicated with man in a way that he does not communicate with animals. Now, I know we've all seen the Disney movies and Lion King and the Jungle Book and everything. We've all, we've all seen those things. But I, I just want to tell you, God communicates with you different than he does with animals. John Stott made a great statement. Actually, not John Stott. This is a Richard Strauss quote. The major reason God made human beings with minds is so that they could get to know him, enter into mutually satisfying relationships with him, and enjoy his fellowship and glorify him. But look at what man did. Man took the best of circumstances and made the worst out of it. I mean, man had a perfect environment, and our relatives ate us out of house and home. We got kicked out of the garden. Man sweats by his brow to labor all that God was going to give man freely. Now man has to earn and man has to work for. The pain of childbirth is because a piece of fruit was more important than obeying God. You will be as gods. You know what they did? Their minds believed a lie. Do this and you'll be successful. Do that and you'll be famous. 
Do this and you'll be rich. Believing a lie. The world always promises what it cannot produce. And even if it produces it, it's for a season and you can't take it with you when you die. When he ate the forbidden fruit, man's mind was changed. He knew evil. He knew sin. So first of all, our minds are darkened. They're darkened. Ephesians 4, 17. Let me read it. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. That word futility can also be translated vanity or worthlessness or emptiness of their mind. Being darkened, deprived of light in their understanding. That's another word for mind or intellect, their understanding. Excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. Paul was brilliant, but he says when our minds are darkened and when we're pursuing that which is futile, there's an ignorance in us. Somebody says, well, you haven't seen my SAT scores. I want to tell you, without God, you're ignorant. Because you don't know what to do with what you've got. And what you've got and what you know can't save you from a doctor's report. You see, we have forgotten that every person outside of Christ, their minds are darkened. They think they're enlightened, but their minds are darkened. We have, now I'm not going to get political here. I'm just going to make a statement and move on. We have people in America that are so ignorant that they don't know the difference between different forms of government. Socialism is not the same as a republic, and it's not the same as a democracy. Go ask somebody that lived in communist Russia, and they'll tell you the difference. You see, we just let words roll out, and we say, oh, that sounds good, and this sounds good, and that sounds good, and somebody gets on the Tonight Show or the Late Show, or they get on some other talk show and they blurb out something and they're on their fifth marriage and say, well, you know, my idea of marriage is, I mean, you all turn it off right there. Look, five times, you're out of the game. You're just out of the game. And yet, we listen to them. And then you look at the newsstand and their pictures of these famous people. How my life is so happy. And you're looking at them, and they're on their third marriage. they got three kids in rehab. And you're thinking, you're not happy. You're a liar. And you're ignorant of how darkened you are. What they need is light. And can I tell you, every time someone in a darkened, ignorant condition speaks, the devil sings his own hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Again, quoting Richard Strauss, man's will can only choose what his mind has first grasped. His freedom of choice is restricted to the information he has in his mind. 
So one of the things you need to understand about a darkened mind is the darker the mind, the more futile the life. The darker the mind, the more futile the life. I love one of the lines that Charles Lowry uses all the time about rationalizing. People are always rationalizing their behavior. He said, you know, rationalizing is rational lies. We rationalize lies. Rationalizing my behavior, my acts, my choices. Well, that's just the way I I was made, and that's just the way I feel, and that's just what I want to do. But what does truth say? Well, I don't know what truth says. Why don't you know what truth says? Because your mind's been darkened, and the devil has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. That's why you ought to pray for lost people, that the scales would come off of their eyes, and they would see where this path is taking them off a cliff, with no safety net. Our minds are defiled. Titus 1 and verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupt and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. Corrupted, defiled. The word means to change the color of something with a dye. It refers to staining or soiling, or polluting, or contaminating. They're corrupted. Titus, Paul says to Titus, their minds and their consciences are corrupted. That's why abortion is acceptable in America today, because our minds and our consciences are corrupted. We have too much scientific evidence of babies in wombs to say it's just matter. We know more now than we've ever known about life in a womb and that a a baby can feel and sense and respond to ever buy the lies that we're sold by people whose minds and consciences are corrupted. Now, that's not popular, but I want to tell you something. That's not political. That's not a political issue. That's a moral issue. That's a murder issue because it's a life. God said in his word to Jeremiah, before you were ever formed in the womb, I got to know you. Well, he's speaking to Jeremiah, but he's also speaking to us. Our lives matter to God. They're corrupted. Now let me tell you another way that the mind and the conscience are just defiled. Again, I'm not being political. Okay? I'm just telling you what you're watching that sometimes you just nod your head and go, uh-huh, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. And you watch CNN, you go, uh-huh, that's right. You watch Fox, you go, uh-huh, that's right. And you listen to somebody, uh-huh, that's right. And if somebody said, define the difference, you wouldn't know how to define the difference because you just nod your head. I mean, you're just a bobblehead. You're just, you're just doing this all the time. Have you ever watched politicians when they talk? They say, yes, I'm for that. And their heads go, no. 
but their mouth says yes. Why? Because they're corrupted. Their conscience is corrupted. They can't get their mind and their face and their head and their neck in line with what they're saying. Have you ever noticed that you'll never see the person screaming about climate change talk about the moral and mental pollution of pornography? They'll never say that. I'll tell you where a climate change is going on in our culture, that pornography is available on every cell phone and every iPad, and nobody's saying anything about it. That's where pollution and climate change is going on, because it's changing the minds. It's corrupting the minds. It's distorting young men and women's views of what true sex as God intended it to be is really all about. We have a defiled mind. Our minds are depraved, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 5. There's this constant friction between man of a depraved mind and deprived of the truth. He's corrupt. He's destroyed. I mean, Paul, in the day of Paul, man's desire was to exalt himself. It was all about self-promotion. But the Bible says, claiming to be wise, they are fools. We're defiled, we're depraved, our minds are dead, Romans 8, 6. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. We are dead in sin without Christ. How do we get away from this defiled, depraved, deluded, perverted, dead mind? Without Christ, we can't get there. We will live our lives buying lies. Jordan was baptized this morning. You know, he heard the message on heaven and hell got him to thinking. You know, there are people all over this world who don't believe hell exists. You know why they don't believe hell exists? Because they don't want to admit there's a possibility they could go there. So what you do is you just die to that truth and say that's not true anymore. It's still true. It's still true. Whether you believe it or not, it's still true. There's a heaven and there's a hell. Our, our minds are cluttered and bombarded and confused and we need the message of Christ. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Jesus said in John 16 that the Spirit of God comes to convict of sin and judgment and righteousness. Why does the Spirit of God come? Not just to equip us and empower us as believers to live a renewed life and to have the mind of Christ, the Spirit of God comes to convict people that are depraved and defiled and darkened and dead in their sin. There is something else for you. The Holy Spirit convicts, takes the scales off, removes the blinders, opens the heart, and brings light into darkness. The Holy Spirit tells us that our sin separates us from God, that our righteousness in our flesh, our good works, are as filthy rags in the eyes of God. You see, the righteousness of Jesus shows us how unrighteous we are. 
when I see the righteousness of Christ, in him there was no sin. When I see the sinlessness of Christ, when I see that he was pleasing to his Father, when I see his resurrection from the grave and his ascension into heaven, when I read the words that he spoke in the scriptures, it shows me how unrighteous I am because I just can't try harder to do better and get to God. This is not a scale on which my good marbles outweigh my bad marbles, and so I get to heaven because my good outweighed my bad. My righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. I could do all the good in the world. I could be the richest man in the world. I could be Bill Gates and give away hundreds of millions of dollars and start foundations, but that will not buy him a key to get through the gate of heaven. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit brings light into our darkness. The world thinks it doesn't deserve judgment. But this world is headed for judgment. It's a way we don't deserve judgment. We're getting better. Tell me anybody in their right mind who would say we're getting better in any area. Oh, we may, may have better technology. We may have better systems in place. We may have better computers. We may have better stuff. But tell me anybody that says we're getting better as people. We're not. Because our hearts and our minds are darkened and defiled and depraved and dead. So here's the misinformed mind. First of all, we have to avoid religious extremes. We have to avoid religious extremes. Now, here's what happens when people think about Christianity and don't know who Christ is or haven't read their Bible. They get caught up in one of two things. They get caught up in intellectualism or they get caught up in emotionalism. They go to extremes. There's no balance. Warren Wiersbe said, blessed are the balance. There's no balance. There, there are people that study their Bibles and study their Bibles and study their Bibles. And, and I've met people that could argue the five points of Calvinism and you ask them, when's the last time you shared their faith? And they can't tell you the last time they shared their faith. You can argue the doctrine of salvation, but if you're not sharing it, your mind is messed up. Because you think it's your knowledge that makes you holy. I, I know people that can chart. They're preachers. I mean, they do a series every year on the second coming, and they put the charts, and they show you what the beast is going to look like. This is going to happen here, and then Jesus is going to come here. They can explain it all. They can outline it all. They can put it all up on a board, all behind them while they preach and tell you how Jesus is coming back. And by the way, they just wrote a book for $19.99 that you can buy that explains it even more. But they don't baptize anybody. They don't want anybody to Jesus. I'll quote Warren Wiersbe again. God didn't call me to be on the planning committee. He called me to be on the welcoming committee. And if I think I've figured out the second coming, then I think I'm God. Because the Bible says no man knows the hour or the day. 
And these people that write these little booklets and say, meet me on this mountain because Jesus is going to come back on this day at this time, I can tell you I would bet money in Las Vegas. It's not happening at that moment because nobody is going to get to heaven and say, God, I told you so. Even Jesus doesn't know the hour of the day. And there are people that can argue intellectually. They study. They get focused on one thing or another about God or the attributes of God, and they become obsessed with it. And you say, hey, you, you want to supersize that? And they say, let me tell you about my doctrine of salvation. But they never talk about Jesus in a real world. They say, That's great for seminary. But when you get out of seminary, you actually got to live among real people and do real stuff. And it's got to work in the real world. It's not intellectualism. It's not emotionalism. Paul talked to the Jewish believers about their zealousness, but they were missing the point of the covenant. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, for the Jews, is for their salvation, for I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Oh, some, some people, that, that their whole Christian life, their minds in neutral, and they just live for the moment when they can jump up and down during a song. It's not emotionalism. It's not waiting for somebody to get you jacked up so that you can fall down the minute you get home from camp. It's not about how you feel. Some folks freeze and some folks fry. One commentator wrote, what scares me about this generation is the extent to which ignorance is their armor. I don't want anybody to tell me the truth. I'm fine with believing what I believe. I know what I believe. I had a guy say that to me when I first came here. I mean, we were a few weeks into it, and, and uh, somebody did something. I don't know what it was. It was a song, and I started clapping. And then other people started clapping. And at 8.15 the next morning, the guy's in my office. The first thing out of his mouth is, brother. Now, when they call you brother. <laughs> just get out of the room. Make a door where there is no door. Just get up, brother, you know clapping is a sin. I said, no, it's not. Clapping is a sin. I said, well, what do you do about the verse that says, clap your hands, all you people? He said, I Old Testament. I said, well, what do you do about the fact that Jesus said that not any dotting of the I or crossing of the T, all would be fulfilled. Jesus honored the Old Testament. He quoted the Old Testament. He quoted the book of Deuteronomy more than any other book. What do you do about that? This is what he said to me. I'm not here to argue with you, brother. I know what I believe. Well, I believe it's time for you to walk out the door. <laughs> Because I don't want to argue with you. You see, the ignorant of truth yell the loudest. And they're more threatened than any other group of people. Inside 
and outside the church. Some Christians have read just enough of their Bible to be dangerous because they're dangerously close to half-truth, not truth. That's why my go-to line when somebody says, well, you know, blah, 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 I say, show me chapter and verse. Give me the chapter, give me the verse. What you say you believe, I want to see the chapter and I want to see the verse. Secondly, we must not fall for philosophies or ideologies alien to the gospel, which really rolls out of the first one. You know how we get influenced. We get influenced by education, by media, and by music. Those are the driving forces on how we're influenced today. Education, media, and music. Filling our minds. Generations now have been taught that uh, evolution, we all just evolved from pond scum. I didn't realize it, but everybody in this room was at one point in Lake Loretta. <laughs> I mean, who knew? Who knew? Or we evolved from apes, you know, where we got all these skeletons and all these other things. Let, let me just give you a statement from one of those brilliant men that lived in the 20th century, John Stott. said, man is different from animals, and he should behave differently. Animals were created to behave by instinct. Human beings by intelligent choice. Animals behave instinctively. Human beings by intelligent choice. So what's the renewed mind look like? Well, Paul talks about it. It's in your notes. God's revealed himself in creation, the law and the prophets, the scriptures, and in his son. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about the contrast between human wisdom and God's wisdom. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. In other words, you can't be smart enough to know God. Man can't figure out God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to serve those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, in other words, now he's talking about the saved, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You want to know what God's wisdom is? It's Christ. And that's revealed in the foolishness of preaching. He uses wisdom eight times in this section in 1 Corinthians going all the way to chapter 2. And verse 16. So every one of us in this room is in one of three responses. Number one, you can't figure it out, verse 23. You can't figure it out. That's the Jews. The Jews had the covenant. They had seen deliverance. They had seen the miracles. They had the laws and the prophets and the festivals and the feasts that all pointed to Messiah. I mean, it was like a jigsaw puzzle. When you put it together, it looked like Jesus. 
and they couldn't get it. Why? Because the cross was offensive to them. Although the Bible had predicted that Messiah would die on a cross. Although every prophecy about the Messiah was fulfilled in one man, even after the resurrection, they didn't believe, they refused to believe it because it seemed foolish to them because they got the first coming and the second coming of Jesus confused. They thought that when Messiah came the first time, he was going to take over, they were going to reestablish the kingdom, the Romans were going to be run out of town, and things would be great again. And when he came as a humble servant, they didn't get it. But then, verse 23, you think it's a crutch or a scam. You think, well, believing in Jesus is a crutch. It's a scam. It, it's just, it bless their heart. Those people that need God, that's good for them. That's what the Greeks said. That's what the Greeks said. Because they saw no wisdom in the cross. But God says, those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. They didn't see wisdom in the cross, but the cross was God's wisdom and his plan for redemption. And then thirdly, you come to Christ by faith. You've seen the foolishness of the preaching, the kerygma, the, the preaching of Christ and the cross and by faith, you said, I believe that that's for me. I believe that Christ died for me, that he rose for me, that he's coming again for me. I believe that when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, that I have a home in heaven. I believe that as a believer in Jesus Christ, it is wise for me to love God, to grow with other believers, to serve others, and to be used of Him to change the world. I see the wisdom of God in all of this. And so we're either in this room and we think the cross is foolishness and it doesn't apply to us, or we realize that without the foolishness of the cross, we would be darkened and defiled and depraved and dead in our sins. Let's pray together.